Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jesse Park Humphreys, and I'm joined today by James Lewis. We were meant to have Abdullah with us as well, but he is stuck in traffic. Those cars in Dubai, there are so many of them. Apparently there's a storm. I think it's like one of those kind of places where there's never adverse weather, so everyone absolutely loses their minds. But James... Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Was it your birthday this week? It was. It was yesterday. Happy birthday. How was it? Appreciate it. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, great to see another year. So, yeah, always happy to be on the pod as well. Good stuff. Well, we love having you joining us. Um, let's kick off by, obviously, we've not had you on yet. Listeners will know you're, you are an Arsenal fan. It's not been the greatest start to the season. but Is it ever? <laughs> what are your general takes and vibes on how the WSL is looking from your perspective? Because obviously here we have we obviously understandably come at it from a very Chelsea-based perspective. It's very easy to get sort of lost in your own club. How do you think it's shaping up like with everybody so far? It's looking like the same thing. I I, I do think the WSL is becoming a farmers league, like <laughs> No matter what happens, every team can do nice, but Chelsea just continue to do what Chelsea do. Um, City look very good so far. I think City, out of all of like the top teams, I feel City is the team that's actually putting forward good performances every time. I feel like Chelsea are kind of waking up and just scoring goals. I feel like United are kind of finding their way. Arsenal look dreadful, but... City so far have been the team that really say we want the league this year. But it's Chelsea that keep on hat tricks and whatnot. So yeah, it looks it's looking like another Chelsea WSL title, which I'm very scared about because it's like, how do we stop this? <laughs> yeah, I mean a long way to go. Yeah, obviously. I agree. I, I think I've I've enjoyed City. Um and I do wonder with Arsenal whether we'll come to like not regret, but you know, last season Arsenal fans were like mad that the City game got moved, right? And yeah. that was like the best time to play City. I do wonder if, like, for example, United getting to play Arsenal early on, maybe they'll come to regret not winning that game because I personally think it can't carry on being this bad, but maybe it can. I don't know. As long as it carries on <laughs> being this bad till December, I'll be, I'll be happy. Um, We'll just touch on some international break news before we get into the episode we're doing today. Um, we're going to be doing some sort of lone army chat. That's the reason we got James on because his speciality is searching for ballers. And that's what we want to do today. We're spying on the ballers that we've got on our books who aren't currently playing for Chelsea. But obviously the senior team are off and away um, on their on their holly bob. Sam Kerr got a goal um in Perth earlier today playing against Iran a tuna win there for Australia didn't start the game um sounds like fingers crossed she's not going to play too many minutes there um other main bit of news is LJ dropping out of the England squad she's picked up a concussion in training missing both games against Belgium James is it I obviously hope LJ is okay first and foremost but there's something yeah. that's like a little bit selfish of me which is I'm kind of like okay I'm not, take that. I'm not mad I'm not mad like, go home, rest up. We'll see you at the Villa game. Yeah, 100%. At the end of the day, get well soon, LJ, first and foremost. But 
do these games really have a huge effects on what happens? No. Do is everyone really going out of their mind to like want to play Belgium twice? Not really. So it's like if you can have a player go back, rest up, and just kind of it's rest. Like there's so many fixtures. The fact that LJ can just really go home and rest and stay fit because obviously Champions League. Some people have Champions League, others don't. So she can rest for that. She can rest for WSL game. So yeah, I think. It's, it's sad, but at least she gets the rest, which is most important. Yeah, only thing I am now worried is like, oh, is Frank Kirby just going to take all of LJ's minutes? And I would prefer for that not to happen as well. So let's all pray, everyone, <laughs> for some Ella Toon, Grace Clinton debut yeah, yeah, energy yeah, yeah, yeah. in these Belgium games. Um, okay, let's get on to the, the loan army. Obviously, Chelsea have a ton of players out on loan this year. And we're going to sort of split this episode into, we'll have a look at the... Lonies who are abroad, the Lonies who are in the championship and the ones who are floating around the WSL. But James, I just wanted to start off by getting your take on what Chelsea are sort of trying to do with this group of players. There's obviously players who are at a lot of different stages. Some of them Chelsea have gone out and bought and then left them at their clubs. Some of them are players who are sort of taking their first steps out of the academy into senior football. Um, it feels like a couple of clubs are trying to do similar things. I know Arsenal have sort of Girls in the championship at the moment. City uh, do that as well. United, obviously, we just referenced Grace, Clint Grace Clinton. They sent her to Spurs, etc., etc. But kind of feels like Chelsea have gone the biggest on this way of developing young talent. What do you make of it? Because I know it's a bit controversial in terms of like potentially player hoarding or not knowing. Like ultimately, it's going to be impossible for all ten of these players to make it at the club. Right. Yeah. So what's your kind of view on it? You know what? I have to I have to keep the same energy. I do think some of it is talent hoarding. I think some of it is just like Chelsea, they go to the supermarket and they don't get a basket. They get a trolley. How many of these players escape the trolley? Like that is we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's smart. I think at the end of the day, you're going to find ballers and you're going to find not so quiet ballers. So I think the most important thing to do is make sure that you're getting different kinds of talent, which Chelsea are doing. Like that Lucy Watson, just watching championship games, like using the resources you have to find different kinds of players. I really respect that. And I do hope a lot of the players make it because it's like, you don't really want to get that big move and then nothing really materializes from it. So I do think it's talent hoarding, but at the same time, I wish Arsenal would do more talent hoarding. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that's that's the aim of a club, to find the yeah. best players. And if this is the way Chelsea feel like they can do it, I think, for me, best case scenario, I think Chelsea men like went too far at, at different points and they kind of allowed players to get stuck on their books. But also that what they've managed to do with the academy and with some of the lone players is even if those players haven't made it at Chelsea, they've gone to, on to have like amazing careers. Like when you look at some of the players who went through Cobham who aren't at Chelsea anymore, I think it was something crazy like... 60-70% of like England senior debutants in like the past 10-20 have gone through Cobham. That's the kind of thing that even if some of these players don't make it at Chelsea, you still hope that they've developed them. That's like ultimately a good thing um, for the sport. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on. That's why we want to keep checking in on these players. We'll understand, I think, a bit more who's going to make it, what kind of works, what's not working. Because I think the club are sort of figuring that out as well. Um, so we'll take a little break here and then when we come back, we'll get into some of the specifics of the players out on loan. 
So I'm starting with sort of the loanies abroad chunk, James. We've got three in here. Players who've gone or stayed at top-level clubs in Europe. So we've got Alejandra Bernabe, who stayed at Real Sociedad after Chelsea bought her. Vika Kaptein, who stayed at FC20 after Chelsea bought her. And then Alsu Abdelina, who obviously went to Paris FC. So Alejandra Bernabe hasn't played a whole chunk of minutes so far. She had a little bit of an injury, so she missed the start of the season, but she is back starting for Real Sociedad now. But Sociedad aren't having a great time of it. They're 10th in Liga effort at the moment. They've won two of their six games. Vika Kaptein is smashing it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 18-year-old midfielder, for anyone who, who's missed this, um, played for FC20, was playing non-stop there, has carried on playing non-stop there. Really unlucky not to make it into the Champions League group stages, had a really good showing um, against uh, Jotterborg. Um, well, BK Hacken, obviously, who who ended up in our group. Um, I don't know why FB Ref have still got them called that. That's why I've just read it out. Uh, maybe a bit <laughs> lucky to go through against uh, Levante. Yeah. But a really exciting player. And I think for both of these players, James, what we're seeing is there is this real benefit of keeping, of getting players and then leaving them there. Because I think Captain especially, obviously Bernabe, she's not played a whole lot. I haven't watched yeah. a whole lot of her because there's not been much to watch. But everyone I've seen from Captain is just like, this is a player who's so comfortable in her team and she's 18 years old. There's time. Like, you can leave her to just be there and do her thing and to sort of be participating, to get the opportunity to be participating in these qualifying rounds of the Champions League, to be playing these really good teams. And she's starting because she's crucial to that midfield. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with letting players marinate. Like, the player's not just going to come immediately and just 100% stake their claim. It's like, remember, the most important thing is getting seen. You've been seen. Chelsea see what you're doing and they love it but they also know that they are a huge football club and they want players that are ready so it's like go marinate go get the experience go get the experiences that you need and then come back and set the WSL alive so I'm all for it I think Vika she's the thing is I think when you get those kind of co-signs, Viv was helping her when she was like going to the World Cup and stuff like that. It says, this is a special player. Like the things that she's able to achieve already, she's going to, she looks like a Chelsea player. Like they liked players that really show that they're special and that they can come in and achieve things. So it's like, when it is her time to put on that Chelsea shirt, I think she's going to go nuts. Yeah, I definitely feel like of everybody who's in the loan group at the moment, in terms of like what they've been able to do so far this season, she's the one who really stands out. Um, scored um scored a nice goal as well recently against Adu Den Haag. Um, her second of the season. She she really sort of likes popping up in the box, which is, which is cool to see as well. Um, did pick up an injury in, on Netherlands camp, but is staying with the group so don't know whether she'll get any minutes um obviously they're in England's group for for the international break also Abdelina a little bit of a different one here she's had a bit of a mixed bag obviously it was very funny sort of hypothetically that she kind of knocked out Arsenal and Wolfsburg but the role she had in both of those games was quite limited I mean a bit she played a bit more in Arsenal because it obviously went to extra time yeah uh but Wolfsburg she literally played seven minutes in one of the legs 
got caught out for a goal at one point, but it just feels like that Paris FC team hasn't really nailed down whether they want her to play or not. And I guess the intriguing thing here now, James, is we're in a Champions League group with Paris FC and technically, Alsa Avdelina can play against us. But will we see that happen given where she is? I kind of feel like she's been a victim maybe of Paris FC's success. Like I'm not saying she necessarily would be playing more, but it feels like they're really on a run and now it's like, oh, maybe other players are staking their claim. Everyone's paying a bit more attention because... When we loaned her to her to them, I was like, okay, we're loaning them to her to like an okay French team, and now it's like everyone's obsessed with Paris FC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's crazy the whole Paris FC thing. You you couldn't have predicted it. You couldn't have expected them to go on the run that they've done. So now, it's I feel also has just been so unlucky with everything. I think just adapting to everything conflicts and stuff like that it's just not been the time for her she just hasn't been able to really stake her claim so I feel I hope she does get the minutes but I just can't really see her getting minutes throughout the season that really help her develop yeah I mean I think it's all a bit I don't know whether she'll ever come back to Chelsea I think we said this there was no like contract extension and as far as I'm aware her contract unless there's some secret clause people we don't know about um but I, I like this to me feels like a great example, though, of putting a player in a club where they can really develop. Like, it feels like a really nice way, potentially, of sort of moving a player on in a way that helps them. Because ultimately, she's at Paris FC now. They're in a really exciting position. They've got these extra games in the Champions League that she, she's been put there by the club to fight for those minutes. And that feels like a ultimately whatever happens with her at Chelsea that's something that's going to stand her in great stead compared to like maybe just being sat on the bench or not even in the squad at Chelsea for a year yeah 100% I really agree with that it's it's important to play as a footballer the one thing you want to do is get matches the the bench is great on a star-studded bench but if you're not getting the minutes you're not improving especially as a young player so fingers crossed yeah, we'll see. Um, the narrative levels, if Also Abdelina does at anything uh, against us, um, yeah. would be interesting to see. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, famous last so. words. I'm not, I'm not super worried, but famous last words. <laughs> okay, let's turn our eyes now to the championship. Um, and, James, I wondered if you could just give us a little bit of an intro to where the championship is sort of at this season because we're seeing some surprising names popping up and doing quite well. And some of the teams that started the season really well seem to have begun to fall away a little bit. And there are other teams that maybe were doing well last year, which have been a bit quieter this year. Um, so for anyone who hasn't paid any attention to the Women's Championship, can you just sort of give a little intro of where that league's at? Because I think that's really important in understanding them, how the low knees are sort of fitting in. I think you've got to start off with the fact that Sunderland have had their Weetabix. They have really just come on leaps and bounds. The only unbeaten team in the Championship right now, which is insane, like... You got to think Durham were in the championship before Sunderland were in the championship and they've kind of just leapfrogged Durham and now they're kind of like the team in Northeast that are really putting on. They have an insane squad. 
But also, we have to talk about Birmingham. Birmingham really started the season in awful fashion. Jade Pennock was where their goals were coming from, and she wasn't really getting the job done, which was really surprising because Ellie Mason joined Birmingham from Lewis, so we kind of thought she was getting all of Lewis's goals. So her to go to Birmingham, we thought we were kind of going to get this offensive masterclass, but it hasn't really come from Birmingham so far. Crystal Palace, they're scary. They are a lethal team. Crystal Palace, like, don't give them chances. They will win 9-0. They will win 6-0. They love goals. Elise Hughes, she has been, like, I, I think she's always been, like, a really talented attacker, but this season it's just, she smells blood. Any defence that's not really 100% sure, she will make sure that she scores. So she's been integral. Durham have been cute. Durham are so cute, I think. They're, named, they're labelled as Dirty Durham, but they're a really talented team, but you just don't know what Durham you're going to get on a match day. And I think they just don't kill off games. I think Durham, Durham will, they love to let the team try and come against them and try and leave with something. So I think Durham are interesting. Anyone else? Watford, I, I, I put my hands up. Watford play incredible football, but it's just an experience. Like Watford, give the, if they can stay up, Watford are so fun to watch. Carly Johns joined them recently from Oxford United. She's been really good. She knows how to find the back of the net. Corin Henson, she was at Charlton last year. She's been really good in the defence. Katie Reid, Arsenal, Loney. We've got one. We've got one on our hands. We've got one. She is wicked. So I think they are just leaking way too many goals though. But like they're doing well, but you just think it's worth making these mistakes and getting the experience. But yeah, that pretty much sums up the championship right now. Yeah, just some stats to sort of back some of that up. Crystal Palace's goal scoring is crazy. They've scored 25 goals so far this season. They're sitting in fourth. They've got a sort of game in hand over everyone who's above them. But the the team who scored the next most goals is Southampton, who've scored 15. So Crystal Palace have played a game less than Southampton and scored 10 goals more than them. There's been some like (laughs) crazy, crazy blowouts. And... Championship's a bit different this year because there's two relegation spots because the the National League North winners of North and South are both going to go up, whereas before they used to play a playoff. So it's going to get quite spooky down at the bottom quite quickly, I think. And I was very, very worried for Lewis, but they finally got their first win of the season uh, the other week. But it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because there are a lot of teams who are kind of like, you know, sort of Charlton started off looking a bit worrying. They're now sort of on this five-game unbeaten run. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of up and downs across this season. And I think that's just generally like, obviously the championship, James, has been like the go-to place for big WSL teams to send their academy products. And it just works geographically, right? Like you get all the Arsenal girls going to to Watford. Chelsea have prioritised sort of Lewis, Palace, Charlton, varyingly over the the years. Um, You see lots of the City and United girls going to places like Blackburn. But it's really interesting because on the one hand, this is like serious football and these teams take it serious. Like you're not going to play just because you've come from one of those big clubs. But also that up and down, you don't just land in a team necessarily that's gonna be that's gonna have it easy because it feels like this is a league, especially the season where things can change so fast. It's I think the championship is such a scary league. You just I think it is an accumulator's nightmare. I think you can just you can never predict anything. But I think 
goals really do reign supreme in that league. If you are scoring goals, you will win games. It's it's always shootouts. And I think it's a different play style to the WSL completely. I think it is very much nothing's earned. Teams aren't just going to wait for you to attack and just try and soak up pressure. Everyone is kind of gunning for everyone at the same time. And I think if you're not switched on, you will really struggle. Yeah, so let's dig into some of the players Chelsea have got there. I'm going to start with Emily Orman. She is obviously goalkeeper. She's gone to Reading. Yeah. I think Reading always felt like a tough spot for her to go to. Obviously, Reading were relegated from the WSL last season. They also announced that they were going to go part-time. As a result, the club as a whole is in a lot of like financial difficulty. And I think... Emily Orman has had some games where she's looked good and some games where she's been put under a lot of pressure from her defence. And in some ways, that's kind of what you want for a a goalkeeper. It's quite classic, right, to send them to a club where you want them to face shots, especially if they, for example, have played for like academy or senior teams where you're going to have a lot of the ball, you're not going to face a lot up. But it's been so far, I think, I don't want to say baptism fire because she's played in the championship before. She knows what this league is about. But there's been, you know, she's shipped three goals in both her past two games. She shipped four against Southampton. So she's feeling it right now. Yeah, I think it's... And it's crazy because she was at Crystal Palace before. And if she was at Crystal Palace right now, the, the whole narrative change is like, oh my God, she's having the luck. But sometimes it is better to have these shots against you get in a place at Chelsea. I think Hannah Hampton, similar age, I rate her distribution. So having that one thing that really makes someone say, but no, 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 we don't want to lose that. I think that really helps. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, it, the Hannah Hampton signing kind of felt a bit of like a nail in Emily Orman's coffin. And I was yeah, kind of surprised 100%. that they they sort of like extended the deal to, they obviously there's something they still see there and they're, they're interested in seeing. Um, but yeah, I feel like the important thing is for a goalkeeper to be getting minutes. And I think the worst thing that could have happened to her was to go to a club and not play. And, and yeah. she's playing and she's going to play for the rest of the season. So yeah, I think that's 100%. going to be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. Um, let's talk about the girls who are at Palace. Um, we've got Lexi Potter and Lucy Watson there, both in really going into this club, I think, in really interesting positions. Lexi Potter, obviously, this signing the pro contract at 17, blah, 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 blah. Who knows, like, actually kind of what that meant. But she's going and this is like her first taste of senior football at a very young age to go out and do that um she went quite late as well um but she's made a couple of appearances she played in the Conti Cup for them um and has come off the bench in a couple of games including that 9-1 schlacking of Durham also <laughs> been starting for the England under-19s which is cool to see because obviously she's basically playing up an age group yeah. Lucy Watson someone else who went really, really late in the window to the point where I think when we last spoke about Loney's, I had to get our editor to edit me out talking about Lucy Watson staying at the club because I was convinced she was staying at Chelsea. And we literally got off recording the episode and I saw she'd gone to Palace. But she's obviously coming off of the back of this ACL injury. So she's now looking to sort of play her first minutes in a year. Obviously, she went to Charlton last season. That's where she did the ACL. So we've seen her get a, a couple of minutes so far. But given how Palace are doing and given that they sort of love attacking and these are two players who who want to attack, obviously Potter more from the midfield, Watson from out wide. 
But when you've got a team that's sort of flying without you, that's sometimes tough, right? To then be, especially as a sort of low knee, to be looking at, at breaking in. I don't think it's surprising that neither of these players have got minutes, that many minutes yet. And I don't think that's necessarily what what we'll be talking about in three months' time. But they've got this, but they're in this position right now, right? Where they've got to like show something in training that's going to break up something that's really, really working at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's like what we said about you're not just going to land in the starting lineup just off of merit or just off of where you've come from, like just because you've come from Chelsea on loan. I think there's a lot of players that have really shown at Palace. I deserve to be on that in that starting eleven every single time. And it is about training, but at the same time, making sure they're learning from what the people that are starting are doing, because there's a reason why they are starting. There's a reason why they're scoring so many goals. Learn from them and then making sure you really kind of get that assist when you come on, even if you've got 10 minutes, even if you've got five minutes doing something like attacking tired legs and like doing what you can to kind of, it's all, I think with loan players, it's all about something. What did you do to stand out? What pass did you do? What kind of take on did you do? What kind of you're communicating? All those kind of little things, especially when you're not starting game in, game out. I think Lucy Watson does have that kind of championship credibility already because what she did at Sheffield United. So I think once she kind of gets her fitness back and she gets used to like feeling how she did before, I think we'll see her a lot of her. Yeah, I, I, I hope so because I think she's a player who it's worth still being excited about and it's really... It really sucked for her what happened to get that big move from Sheffield United to the for the hype to be justified. Yeah. And then it feels like you've been left on the sidelines because cause kind of you have. But um I think it's been really cute. Like I people might have seen, I don't know, but Kat Macario went down to like watch one of her games, which that's, that's huge. just such that nice vibes. Huge. I that love that huge. that's like what Chelsea have managed to get going. That like Macario is out there cheering Lucy Watson making her <laughs> ACL come back because that I thought that was really really sweet yeah 100% let's just finish off this section then with with the last championship loanee and I think this is a really interesting one and a really great case of what you were just talking about James it like it's Rihanna Blade she's at Lewis as I said Lewis have had a stinky start to the season they have been they've not been awful it's just been like Things haven't been going their way. They do have a smaller budget. Like they probably are punching above their weight, sort of even being in this in this league at the moment. And Blade started the season. She wasn't playing. She wasn't really getting minutes. But over the past couple of weeks, we've started to see her come into this team. No goals and assists yet, but you can see her like getting more comfortable building those relationships, starting potentially to be able to make a proper impact. The the Lewis thing will always surprise me. I saw Lewis and said, why is she not starting? I said it from the start of the season. Like, you guys, we haven't been scoring like crazy. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't change things up. I almost felt like they were kind of playing who they knew and like saying, yeah, you'll, you'll get into it. But I thought, especially the pace that she has, that especially a lot of defenders in the championship, they're not that pacey so if you have someone that can constantly get in behind you're gonna get a lot more goals so I'm glad that she's fought her way into the team it, it does show of her resilience to kind of say you know what I'm not in the team but I'm gonna get myself into the team I think at the same time Lewis aren't really creating that much so it's kind of hard for an attacker to kind of really imprint themselves on what's going on but 
if she wants to kind of do the sink or swim, she will kind of become that kind of facilitator and really take it upon herself, which she shouldn't have to. She should be kind of eased in. But I think how Lewis are right now, she's going to have to kind of do it her own way. Yeah, and I think, like, hopefully it will be a really great experience for her in terms of, again, it's an experience you don't necessarily get if you've gone through the Chelsea youth system. Like, how do you create something when you don't have the ball? Like, what can you be doing? Like, where do you need to be? What can your movement be like? And I think that's sort of the advantage of of having players in these teams. Um, I'm going to try and get down to Lewis Charlton, which is next Friday. So I'm hoping to get some in real life Rihanna Blades minutes. (laughs) Just to finish off this section, I guess what we've we've chatted about is that there's sort of like mixed results in in the championship in terms of how these loans work out. And it's not always easy, especially when you're talking about like 18-year-olds who've maybe just always been in these academy systems, you know, a bit different from someone like Watson, for example. But Chelsea have had very successful championship loans in the past. Agnew Jones, Charlotte Wardlaw, they've like really thrived there and then gone on to have mixed results in the future, really. And we'll talk about Charlotte Wardlaw in a minute. But... Do you think the championship is still the best place for these kind of players coming out of academies to go? Or do you think the WSL and big teams should be looking at more like a sort of under 21 or reserve system? Because sometimes I worry that some of these players are sort of getting swallowed in the fact that it is such a sink or swim league. I think it's a a great question. I think... It's a bit tricky because I feel there because there is so much to fight for in the championship. Sometimes coaches will say we just need to go with our starting eleven, our strongest team, and sadly that's not you. But I feel that does kind of prepare the players for when you come on, you have to make something happen, and if you don't, you're back on the bench. Because I feel it's only going to get worse. Like if you are in the WSL for Chelsea, Chelsea, like the winners, any kind of mistakes where you're not working hard you'll get punished because it will be easy to see so I feel the championship prepares you for what's going to happen and just to kind of a lot of results sometimes teams don't deserve the win but because they did something because they outworked another team they've got the result that's that's an invaluable lesson for a lot of young players because it's especially attackers and midfielders what are you doing off the ball like what are you doing? And there's so many little dark arts in championship that I love, like the shirt pulls, like when people are doing little elbows and stuff. I think as a young player, you need to learn that. You need to become accustomed to that because sometimes there's going to be players faster than you, stronger than you, better than you. You need to find a way to kind of level the playing field. So I think the championship is a great, I, I see it like the G League to the NBA. You, that's where like champions are made. I think look at Aggie Beaver-Jones. She scored recently. She was going in the championship and she survived. If you survive the championship, I think anything's possible. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point as well about like patience, because this is a conversation I, I was having with someone about Aggie Beaver Jones, and they were asking me, like, oh, do you think, you know, will she get enough minutes this season? Like, do you think the club will maybe send her on loan in January? And I was like, kind of feel like she's past that point. Like, I think at some point you've just got to say. Do you believe you're the kind of player who can make it at Chelsea? Even if you're like 20 years old, like, do you believe you are there? Because the club, I think, will tell you what you need to do to do it. But then you also have to say, 
do I want to fight for it? Do I want to accept maybe I don't get as many minutes for a year, but like long term, that's worth something. And like some players won't want that. Some players might see, and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong in it. Like some players really value playing loads more and they need that more. But I also think, yeah, there is something to be said that like at points in your career, you're probably going to have to take risks and that's probably going to involve being benched. But then when you get your opportunity, like Aggie Beaver Jones, and actually I would say wasn't even the goal against Brighton, although that was obviously great to see, but it was the shot against West Ham where I was like, this girl, she's got confidence. She believes in herself because Chelsea were like only one nil up at that point and she's there like whistling shots like just over the bar. But like, it was a great shot and she was in a good position and she made something happen and it it brought like an energy and excitement. And I think, yeah, that's what the, like fighting for these places against players who are older than you, I guess, can prepare you for. Yeah, and I think specifically Aggie, I think she's, you can see the confidence in the kind of run she's making. I think before you would kind of see her, especially when she was playing for Chelsea, she would kind of, the run she's making is straight, like one of the left wing or the right wing position. She's not directly trying to go through the middle because she doesn't know who's going to go through the middle. But now you're kind of seeing her actively go through the middle saying like, I have no problem being the nine. Like if anyone wants to look for me, like for those goal scoring opportunities, find me. And I think even the Roma um, preseason friendly, she got a goal. She was on for maybe like, what, 10 minutes. That Things like that. You just make it out of nowhere. Somehow you found yourself in the box and you've scored. I think that's a great indication of what a player can do. Like, because no one's really expecting you to do much. You might not even get the ball. So, and but she's that player for Chelsea, especially young player that she's finding the net. Whenever she's playing, she's finding the net. She's done it again in that Brighton game because she's put herself in the right position. And I think there's a bit of like redemption after that whole Everton tackle and Leah Volti and the streets were really on her net. <laughs> That could be a lot for a young player. That could make them kind of shy away. But here she is, bagging goals for Chelsea and showing like, this is what happens when you are patient. Yeah, I mean, she probably must. She must have about two goals in about forty minutes of senior football yeah, so far this season. So, um, yeah, I still don't know what Chelsea are putting into their, you know, young players between LJ and ABJ and going <laughs> in. But I think it is something maybe about that. That fight. Um, all right, we'll take another ad break here and then we'll finish off by talking about some of the players in the WSL. Okay, I'm actually going to cheat. We're not starting with a WSL player. I just didn't know where to put her. It's Charlotte Wardlaw. She's at Glasgow City. It felt wrong to say she was abroad because it's Scotland, but she's yeah, not yeah, in yeah. the WSL. Um, she is having a pretty good time of it. Again, someone like Rihanna Blades, who didn't walk into the team, kind of understandably. You've just shown up. Um, but I think what we're seeing so far from Wardlaw is what she can offer in terms of versatility. Um, we've seen her play in a lot of different positions for Glasgow City already. She's not featured in the biggest, biggest games. Like, she didn't start against Celtic. She did start the home leg in the Champions League against Baran, but they lost 4-0, and then she didn't play in the, the second leg. But she is getting minutes, I think the question for me about Wardlaw is where where are we ranking Scottish football and playing for Glasgow City, who are a great team to play for in terms of Scottish football, and how that maps on to potential WSL? Because she was great in the championship, played loads for Liverpool when they won, came up with Liverpool, um, and 
didn't work for her in the WSL. Wasn't the right vibe. Had to sort of end that loan. Went and did six months with Lewis. Played a lot of Lewis. Again, looked good. She's clearly good enough for the championship. Is this like is the Scottish League like an interesting stepping stone, or do you think this is maybe a player who who should have been in the WSL? I think obviously the the great people at How's Your Touch they're going to hate me for saying this, but um, I I don't think it's looking good if you are a Chelsea loney going to the Scottish Premier League. I just think I don't know the coverage that you're going to get. I think even if you're doing great things, it's just not going to hit the streets like that. I think the fact that Liverpool got promoted and then they kind of just cut her off. That's a bit crazy. I think, have they seen something that's saying that we just don't think you're WSL ready? And then I think she should have, the move I would have done is kind of keep her in the championship. Let her have like a breakthrough, breakthrough championship kind of season where they're like, yeah, you're ready. And then go back to Chelsea because I just, I don't know. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm happy to if she can get the plaudits in the Scottish Premier League, but I just think it's just so difficult to do that. But having said that, Lucy Parry, she was on loan in the Scottish Premier League and she's back at Liverpool, so it can work. However, this is Chelsea. Uh, that's so, such an important thing you have to take into consideration. This is Chelsea. Only the greatest. So I just think it's it's hard to come back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I will say, like, as well, my other Scottish Premier League goat at the moment is Jenna Clark, who I think's been immense for Liverpool. Yeah. Coming from Glasgow True City. That. 22 years old, going straight into into the Liverpool team and looking fantastic. The only thing I'll say is that girl is tall. Really tall. <laughs> yeah. And... I think when you're someone like Charlotte Wardlaw, you're looking at playing in a slightly different way for a slightly different team. But yeah, I like it. I like that they're trying something kind of different with it. I think I can see why you look around the WSL right now and be like, is she going to get minutes in any of these teams? But she's done the championship thing and we're kind of fine with that. I do think it could be an interesting in-between, but I also, I do get what you're saying. It feels hard to know... Okay, so like if she does the Scottish League this year, does she then do a WSL loan again? Or like yeah. try a WSL loan? Like, will she be ready then? Like, what was missing? And I guess that's, they're the kind of internal conversations that we're not going to be privy to. But I think, again, something that's interesting is who Chelsea have brought in and someone they brought in over the summer and then left at their club is Brooke Aspen at Bristol City. Now, playing in defence for Bristol City this season is miserable. Um, she started every not game. against Arsenal not against Arsenal although <laughs> she didn't cover herself she had a good game I think I don't think this was all her fault but yeah, yeah. Bristol are obviously pretty bad um, they've shipped a lot of goals other than against Arsenal <sighs> I, okay I've got two questions let's start with the Arsenal game because I she was kind of at fault for Arsenal second but I also think the goalie should have given her a shout I think between the both of them it was a bit of fuck up. Basically, she yeah. managed to head in the shot that I think the goalie yeah. would have got. But there's something to be said, obviously. We've talked a lot about having players in teams where they're experiencing different things from what they might experience at Chelsea. Yeah. And I mean, Brooke Aspen is going to have to defend this season. <laughs> and that's what we've yeah. seen. But at the same time, James, is this a player? I feel like she's a player who I'm like, we kind of knew she could defend. Right? So is this a case where maybe I'm like, 
was it the best idea to leave her at Bristol when now she's just sort of playing in these games and getting kind of pummeled? But I feel this is, we knew she could championship defend. I think she's, it's like, welcome to the big leagues. She had her welcome to the WSL moment again and again so far. So it's about how does she kind of, because Bristol will get their moments. They're getting cooked right now. But like Leicester have, t- Leicester can tell you like we've lost 11 straight and things got better. So it's important to see. Yeah, it's important to see how she kind of develops as Bristol start to get their points. Because at the end of the day, Man City, they score goals against everyone. Arsenal, the score. So how will she? My issue was the Leicester game. If you're letting Leicester score four against you, that's telling me. But then me, Leicester have been good. But it's still Leicester. I'm yeah, not, whenever I, I go into I it, when I saw that, because I thought this is a good way to see what a Bristol on. You got Leicester first game of the season. Like that's a perfect way to say, let's get three on the board and let's kind of show people we're here. Four conceded. I'm going to look at the defenders and say, this is Leicester. They've brought in new players, 100%, but this is Leicester. Leicester are not known to bullying teams in the WSL from an offensive point. So that was worrying. I think, Chelsea have seen something in Brooke that says, we want you and we think that you can be great. So it's like, take the bad moments and show how you can use them and become great. It's up to her. That goal was a bit crazy. And I think sometimes when you watch her, you're saying, can she make it at Chelsea? Because the pressure's a hundred times worse. The pressure's a hundred times worse. Because think about one mistake at Bristol, that's fine. We're already shipping goals. That one mistake at Chelsea, oh my God, I can't believe you've done that. Even though Chelsea are going to win 5-1 anyway. Like, the pressure is completely different. A lot of players don't like pressure. So, it will be... I just think we haven't seen the best of NWSO. And until we see that best, then we'll know, like, how she'll slot in. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting to see again. She's someone who's very, very young. Yeah. And I think to be playing WSL minutes... To have the responsibility in that defence, which she does. Like, that was almost funny about the Leicester game. It was like, what was annoying was I thought the players who let Bristol down weren't almost the centre-backs, per se. Yeah. It was other players not doing defensive duty in and around the box. So you've sort of got Brooke stood there and stuff's happening in front of her because Leicester players are just being allowed to sort of take shots from wherever they want or, like, they're going on marks on corners and things like that. So, yeah, but it will be interesting. It has been a massive baptism of fire, though. But, hey, everyone's maybe got to experience that. Okay, let's just finish off, then, with our final loanee. It is Nikki Everard, the the fifth goalie. No, I said Emily Wooden was the fifth goalie. The fourth goalie of Chelsea Football Club. This, so, for context, for anyone who doesn't know, Everard went to Brighton on deadline day on loan. So did Sophie Bagley on a permanent deal. And I think, on the face of it, my opinion is that Everard is a better goalie than Sophie Bagley. But Brighton have signed Sophie Bagley permanently. There's obviously sort of more of an incentive to play her. And Bagley did start the first couple of games. Yeah. Everard comes in, plays Birmingham in the Conti Cup, plays well, then plays Spurs, keeps her place, plays badly. Then, obviously, couldn't play against Chelsea. Bagley came in. She had a good half an hour, I'm going to say. And then after that, <laughs> yeah, everything got a bit weird, I think, for Brighton in that game. Do you think Everard's sort of blown her spot? Do you think we're going to sort of see the both goalkeepers rotate? I was surprised that... I don't know how much Chelsea knew about the Bagley deal. 
And I didn't know whether they just thought Everard would be the first choice. And I guess maybe the competition's good for her yeah. to have. But it feels it feels tough because if you can't get into the Brighton team, you're never going to play for Chelsea. I think the whole Everard situation is just uh, where did it come from? Who who at Chelsea has been like, I've been watching her for years and I think this is it. I think it, it was quite a flip decision. I think sometimes when you got a nice budget, you can't afford to just kind of say, what's up? Like, do you want to come play for us? And then you realise maybe, maybe this isn't the one. I think she's, I think she's a bit too grown to be being sent on loan like this. I think it says we're not really feeling you. You'd have to do a madness at Brighton for us to then consider that actually keeping you. And I think Brighton have come at it like, sis, we don't really know you. We don't know you like that. We've, we've seen Sophie Bagley. We know what she can do. So, and especially like we've committed to her. So that's why we're going to give her that chance. So it's just like revolving doors. Like everyone's just kind of getting the no from Chelsea right now. She's getting the no from Brighton right now. So it just doesn't look good for her. And especially when you're making mistakes, it's not It's not going to like paint yourself in the best picture. Like I should be starting. So it's. I feel sorry for her. Yeah, it is a tough one. I mean, we'll get to see her play England twice in the Nations League over this week. So she's going to get some minutes there. And that'll be interesting to see because obviously it's sort of been the Belgian performances which turned everyone on to her. And then since yeah. everyone got turned on to her, she's sort of been not great for Belgium as well. Um, <laughs> it feels like she's in sort of Zachira Musevic tower whereby she might have one game where she she looks really good, but then you just can't rely on her. Not to make a mistake, but hey, Zajira Musevic starts for Chelsea, so you know it's working for someone clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that'll be I think that'll be an interesting one to see because I'm like, yeah, if you can't beat out Sophie Bagley, I'm I'm sorry, I'm yeah, sorry, I don't rate Sophie Bagley. Sorry, Sophie. <laughs> um, let's just finish off then, okay? From your perspective, if I was going to push you of these sort of ten players. Who is currently, do you think, in the most promise, promising position to make an impact at Chelsea? I was going to say in the next season, but maybe I'll say in the near future. So over the next two seasons, maybe. Probably Vika. Yeah, Captain. I think that's where I'm at as well. It's it's going so it's going so well. It's going it's going like swimmingly, and I think everyone else is kind of like, when I get my chance, I'm going to take it. Hers is cemented. She's like there. one of the first names. Like they don't even want her to go to Chelsea. It's kind of like we're so happy you're here on loan, but like <sighs> we wish we could keep you after that. And I think that tells you what's gonna happen. And she's already gone to a World Cup. You got like the clout levels are just insane. And then she's backing it up on the pitch. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think also what's in her favor is I think all the Dutchies have who've come over have tended to do very well. I think I think I said this earlier, but I think it's a league that matches. Well, and it's a league that I do a lot more scouting. If I was in charge of WSL scouting for a club, I think it's a league I'd be looking to a lot more than than people do. But I will say I'm still excited to see Alejandro Bernabe. Um, we did, if you haven't listened to it, we did a full scouting mission on her. I watched a lot, a lot of stuff. She's very raw, but very exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing her, hopefully staying fit and getting some more minutes for La Real. All right. That wraps us up today. James, thank you for coming on, as always. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Just some Chelsea admin. Obviously, Abdullah and I will be back next week with some more sort of international break chat before we get back into it with Villa away on Saturday the 4th. Then we're away to Everton. 
Then we're away, away to Real Madrid. We've got Liverpool at home. That's at Stamford Bridge. If you haven't got your tickets, go grab them. Then the bedbugs arrive, Paris FC, with us Al Bleeder in tow. We've got them on the 23rd of November before we have Leicester at Kings Meadow as well. So they're the sort of six fixtures on the horizon, ones to keep tabs on. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.